Hello, and welcome to episode 450 of the Perceptive Photographer podcast. I am Daniel Gregory. I am your host of this little podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. I really do appreciate you spending a little bit of your time this week checking out what we got over here on the little podcasting universe we've got set up here in the studio up on Whidbey Island. Just a reminder, next week, October 30th through November 3rd is the Photoshop Virtual Summit 5, over 40 classes. Actually, I think it is 40 classes. I don't know why I said over, but 40 classes. 30 hours of content, 20 instructors, some amazing content on Photoshop, all sorts of cool ways to use and abuse that little tool of Photoshop that we all love. So also camera raws in there for a few things. If you're a Lightroom user, there's even a little bit of information in there for the camera raw classes. You can hit the show notes, free link, free week, no charge. So make sure you take advantage of that free education. All right, this week I wanted to talk about something that's come up a bunch over the past several months, but people ask me about how do you sort of know or critique or understand your own work. And then it's when you're with people and you're in a group or a friend's over and they're looking at photographs and you start to talk about what works and doesn't work in the photograph, that sort of riffing interaction, getting to bounce ideas off people, getting to share ideas off people really makes a difference in sort of seeing and understanding the photograph. But most of us don't have the benefit of somebody sitting on our shoulder. Well, we have the angel and the devil that sits on our shoulder when we edit, but most of us don't have the benefit of getting to have really good dialogue when we're working on our photographs. So the question then becomes, what do we do to make sure that we're putting our best foot forward when we're making our edits? When we're sitting in front of the computer processing or we're in the darkroom processing, wherever we're at making photographs, how do we make sure that we're doing the right thing? What are the things we would need to look for and pay attention to? And how do we then ultimately decide what to change, fix, alter, edit, crop, uncrop, whatever we do there? I think personally that one of the biggest things I sort of see in people and when I watch their nonverbal behavior, when they look at photographs, when they put their own photograph up on the wall or they're looking at it out on the screen, they do know something's off. When you can see it in them, there's just a little bit of tension that kind of builds up in their shoulders, a little furrowing of the brow, maybe a little bit of nervous sort of hand movements. When you say, what do you think of the photograph? There's just a little bit of uneasiness. And what they end up saying is, well, I think it's good. I mean, I think I like it. I think it's okay. And part of that is we know it's not okay. We know there's something in that photograph or a series of things in that photograph that don't sit right with us. And we don't want to be wrong. We don't want to know things. We want to make sure that we know things and that we're right and that we're moving forward. And so part of the struggle with this, I'm looking at my photograph and I'm trying to decide how to edit, is am I willing to sort of take the time to sit with that uneasy feeling? That sense of like, it's good, but... I just, eh, something's not right. I don't want to have to look at it and figure it out. Or I've looked at it for 10 seconds and I haven't figured it out. So there must be fine or I don't know what it is. And I just sort of give up. Part of this process is giving ourselves the time to sit with the feelings that come up about the photograph. A feeling of joy, a feeling of angst, a feeling of hopelessness, a feeling of finishedness. Whatever it is that we're looking at, we got to sit with those feelings. And it sometimes takes time for us to get awareness of that anxiety. We don't want to have the anxiety that the image isn't right. So we think eh, it's good enough and then we can move on and that feeling sort of dissipates. So part of this process is learning to sit with those feelings. 
once we recognize that, yeah, there is something off that I'm not really liking about this photograph, we can then fall into a lot of traps of trying to figure out what it is. And so today we're going to talk outside the little bit of we've got to sit with that sort of queasy feeling in our stomach. I wouldn't say it's nauseousness always, but a little bit of queasiness that we feel something's off. That once we identify that, part of that process is then going through sort of a checklist, so to speak, a, a workflow of ways of thinking about approaching that image. And I use this same process for my images. I use this same process when I'm working with people when they're first starting to really take a critical look at their photograph. And there's a couple of basic things that we can start with. The first thing we can start with is, is there something in the photograph that is visually distracting? And not, oh, I'm going to live with it, but what distracts us in the photograph? When we look at a photograph, it may not be a dis. There may not be anything distracting, but we may look at it and think, wow, that's a really weird color of green in that grass. God, that sky, those clouds... Yeah, they're really crunchy and clouds are kind of puffy. I'm not sure I like how crunchy the clouds are. Or that blue is really saturated. Or, wow, I didn't see, as I always oftentimes joke, the big giant white Starbucks cup in the middle of that photograph. And now that I'm looking at it, recognizing that something's not sitting well with me, that what I'm seeing is the big giant white Starbucks cup. Once we start to sort of look at, is there something that is sort of bothering us. A crooked horizon line. We don't like how the diagonal lines converge. The crop feels off to us. It's like off-centered and we want the image centered, so we need to recrop. Whatever it is, we've got to sort of identify what is the thing that bugs us. And I think one of the things that happens to a lot of people when they get to this is they're jumping ahead in the equation. They're jumping ahead in the process and the workflow. They're looking at that giant cup or the sky is the wrong color of blue. And they're not sure what it needs to be. They're not sure how to fix it. They're not sure what tool to use. They're not sure what color it's supposed to be. Whatever sort of story they tell themselves, they get caught up in this place of, well, I'm not sure what to do with that, so I'm going to go ahead and ignore it. I don't know how to get rid of the cup. I'm going to leave the cup in. The sky is not the right color blue. Uh, I'm just going to live with it because I don't know how to change that color. Well, that's a different part of the workflow. Being able to identify the issue is the first and most critical part of this because we can always go get help if we say this even to Google, Lightroom, sky color, how to change it. We can start to see some of the tools that might be helpful with that. But if we don't know that the sky is the issue, the color of the sky is the issue, we don't know how to move forward in that, in that aspect and in that way that allows us to take that next step in the editing process. So again, the step is to find the thing that bothers us, to accept the thing that bothers us. Then we would start to think about how to correct it. I think one of the other steps in this process is again to then look at the image. We've talked about distraction. We've talked about the things that bother us. But then to actually look at the photograph and decide what is the most important thing or things in the photograph. And then get out a piece of paper. You all know I'm a proponent of writing things down. Get out a piece of paper. Close your eyes. Spin around backwards in your chair. Whatever you got to do. Then come back to that image and write down what does your eye see first? Where does your eye go second? Where does your eye go third? Where does it go fourth? What does it come back to? Does it go through a progression through the image? 
Does it only look at one thing in the image? Does it get stuck somewhere? We talk a lot of times about finishing corners. What we mean by that is, is there a part of the photograph where if we jump into it, we don't ever get back into the photograph because there's a barrier. Maybe the color's off. Maybe the there's a tree and we have this weird framing in a frame, but it's not really framing anything. It's just sort of an impediment for us to get back into the core content of the photograph. But how do we see and express and experience the totality of that frame? Do that exercise about five or six times. Because if you do it once, you're not going to notice the things you look at. You're going to see the couple of big things, but you're not going to recognize, oh, my eye actually goes to the portrait. Then they go to the tablecloth. Then they go to the person in the back of the photograph. We won't notice the tablecloth necessarily. We'll go person, person, dog or whatever. But that tablecloth, maybe that tablecloth has the same color as something else in the photograph. And that color becomes an important relationship of person in the foreground, the tablecloth. Then it's not the person in the background I jump to. It's their jacket or their coat. It's the color relationship that moves my eye through the frame. That then becomes an important aspect of how we see and understand the photograph. So if I don't want that relationship, I know I need to change that color or change the luminosity or change the brightness, whatever I'm going to do there to break that relationship. Because too many times we sort of just accept what's there, but that's not how we're wanting to see and experience the photograph. And again, if we're not doing documentary record-keeping photography, we've got the opportunity to make those edits as we see fit. So why not slightly alter that photograph so that it becomes your photograph, your narrative, your way of speaking and communicating about that? I think one of the other pieces in working alone, again, a little insecurity of not wanting to be wrong, not understanding, not wanting to sit with those uncomfortable feelings, not recognizing those different components that are important, not sure how to fix them. You'll see a lot of this comes back to this sort of, I don't really know realm. And That uncertainty is actually really important to the process. Part of getting to where we can look at a photograph and see what's working and not working in the photograph, the things we would want to change, when is it good enough for us to say that I think that's done, is recognizing the difference between the uncertainty of giving up and and letting go and the difference between surrendering to that experience and the difference between I'm going to alter that experience. That is a, those are all three subtle differences in how we sort of experience this, this difference in this way of being in that insecure state, for lack of a better word, but that feeling that we just aren't sure how to push forward. We see that as something that is wrong. Again, because it's uncomfortable. But I would argue that that's the most important part of editing is the recognition of that uncertainty, that uncomfortableness that comes up to have us stop and say, what is it about this photograph that isn't working for me? And it may be the whole photograph. We've been editing something and we're like, wow, this photograph just really isn't what I was looking for, what I wanted. Other times it might be something small in there. It might be something subtle in there. And sometimes the reason this is important is sometimes we keep editing, we keep working. And part of the editing process is we've got to push farther than we want. One of the things I work on in my classes, my technical classes, is go farther than you need and dial it back. People always ask me, well, how much brightness do I need? Well, we go till it's too bright and then we back it off. How much yellow do I need to fix a blue color contrast? I don't know. Add all of it. Cut it in half. Cut it in half. Cut it in half. Eventually, we get back down to the, di- the number we need on the dial. 
those different components, those different ideas, those different concepts come about from, I don't know what I need necessarily, where I need to be to fix that, but I know the photograph's not too bright. I need to add luminosity. Again, I don't want to not know that answer, but I don't know that answer. And so I've got to then make that leap, a big leap, a big step to say, oh, is the saturation right? Well, I don't know. Let me desaturate the image 20%. Does that look better or worse? If I add 20% saturation, is that better or worse? Oh, it made the yellows better, but it made the blues really weird. Okay, well, I'm going to now target the yellows and not the blues. It's in that sort of understanding of sitting again with that uncomfortable feeling of something's not right and then making decisions off of that. And too many times I think we either give up or we start to go back to the things I know. Well, I know how to mask, so I'm going to create a mask and see if that makes things better. Well, what are you masking? Why are you masking it? What are you trying to fix? Oh, well, a lot of times if I use the clarity slider, things get more crunchy and punchy. So I'm going to use that, see if that fixes it. Well, what are you fixing again? We're going to what we know. I've used clarity before and clarity works. That's not necessarily what you're trying to fix. It's not what you're trying to express. So making sure that we understand what is the expression, what is that thing that sits within us, helps us then decide what to resolve or not. And like I said earlier, the beauty of that is if you run into a problem you don't know how to do or how to fix, you've got a really clear statement of what you're attempting to do now. This is the problem I'm having. Here's what I need to do to fix it. Does anybody have any ideas on how to fix it? Much different question than, I don't know what's wrong or I think it's fine, even though I know it's really not. So if you're listening to your own voice in a photograph, you're listening to your own head in the photograph and it says, mm, something's a little weird, something's a little off, listen to that voice. Now we also sometimes convince ourselves that that voice doesn't matter, so we're done and we're finished, but we're really not. We're just ignoring that voice. So make sure you don't sort of surrender to that voice and say, okay, well, it's annoying and bothered, but I'm not sure what the problem is, so I'll just give up. Sit with it. Live with it. It might take a day. It might take a week. It might take a month for you to come up with what that issue is. But you'll be surprised if you start to let that sort of voice get a chance to express itself, how much better your photographs get. Because it's trying to help you. It's trying to get you over that hump of understanding what is working and not working within the photograph. But again, it's a muscle that needs to be exercised and it gets smarter, faster, and more efficient the more it gets exercised, but it needs to be able to express itself. So don't ignore those voices. Don't ignore the little oddities that pop up in your head when you're looking at a photograph. Embrace them, work with them, listen to them, and I think you'll be surprised how much better your photographs become and how much happier you are with the work you're doing. Thanks so much for joining me this week on the Perceptive Photographer Podcast. Again, this was episode 450. I'm Daniel Gregory, and I hope you have a wonderful week doing whatever wonderful, amazing, creative things you come up with. And I will see you next Monday. Remember, podcast comes out every Monday. And if you love the podcast, go ahead and give us a rating and review up on the place you get it from, and that helps others find the podcast. All right, thanks again, and I'll see you next time.